talk about is a woman allowed to preach? It's maybe a very weird topic for you guys. It's, it's, it's allowed for a woman to preach. Why I'm preaching about that subject is during the corona season, I got so many emails from young people, from elderly people, and uh, some young people, they asked me, I got saved and I had a different lifestyle, but now I start to read the Bible, and I read some Bible texts from Paul, and it's so clear that it's not allowed for a woman to preach. What should we do? Because in ISF Zurich, we have a lot of women that are preaching, teaching, leading in a church, and it's obvious you have like a team preaching team. Then some other people say, no, no, it's not a big deal. We're living in a modern world. I mean, come on, that's not a big deal. Uh, men and women are allowed to preach. And they will say, because of the culture, means the culture is right and the Bible must be some fairy tale book. That means if you are saying the Bible is a fairy tale book, that means you make your own opinion. When you say, no, it's in the Bible, then it could be that you misunderstand what Paul is really saying about it. I would love to have the first part of going into the Word, I want to explain you why we believe, I believe what Paul is saying, and then we want to go into a very practical uh, part where comes the question, what is the, the meaning, or how can we apply those things from Paul? Let's start in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, and that's the Bible verse. When you read that, if you are a woman, you are not happy. I do not permit a woman to teach or assume authority over a man, she must be quiet. If you're a man, you'll say, hallelujah. Just kidding. But if you're not a man, you'll say, come on, there is no hallelujah. It's more like you have some question marks. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 34, women shall remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak, but must be submission as the law says. When you read those two Bible texts, is I would say it's pretty clear, right? But now we have a problem. Because in the New Testament, he has uh, uh, um, um, some, uh, a lot of leaders. For example, Priscilla, she was leading, teaching, and preaching. Uh, Lydia, Mimphia, Chloe, Dorcas, Euphedia, Sintinje, Bebe, Maria, Trypenea, Tyreposa, Persis, and Julia. When you go on in the Bible, you see so many women in the New Testament, in the time of Paul, they were leading, they were preaching and teaching and worked in the church. That's the moment when you say, oh, I don't get it. Something is going wrong here. And here's the problem. When you read a Bible text, you pick out just one thing. You have to understand the whole context, why Paul is saying what he's saying and what was the situation in Corinth. Now you have to understand in Corinth, it was a town in Greek, that people in Corinth... They didn't believe in God. And there were some Hebrew people. The Hebrew people, when they received God, they believed in the Old Testament. They know all those things from the Bible. The Old Testament, the Bible is clear. God loves men and women equal. Men and women has always been from the Old Testament like a dream team. It's not I'm the man and you're nothing. It's always a dream team. But now the Greek people from Corinth, they were saying in our culture, a woman has no value. A woman is like a slave. A woman was not allowed to speak in public. A woman was not allowed to go into a public meeting. A woman had to wear the head with some, um, yeah, and they had to cover the head actually when they're going out. And Corinth 
had a total different setting. Now Paul is saying for two chapters or more, when we gather in a church celebration and a guy from Corinth walks in for the very first time with the Corinth mindset, and there's a woman, she preaches, teaches, and you have long hair and all the things. They walk in, they walk out, and done. They will not even understand why Jesus Christ came on earth. And Paul is saying, we have a problem. When you be speaking tongues, it's a good thing. When you're prophesying, it's a good thing. When women are leading and teaching, when people from Corinth, they're saying that, they're going nuts, walking in, walking out, Christ is game over. That's why we have an expert here. What is actually Paul is actually saying? Illustration of uh, what <clears throat> we have the stitch that separates us from God. And we use this to explain the distance that can be between us and God. And Jesus came to bridge the gap and he died for our sins and he rose again. And maybe if you've been in church, you've already heard this, and it's an amazing truth. And to explain the situation in Corinth better, here we have a second explanation. So sometimes there can be a second ditch in front of the ditch where we find Jesus. So sometimes there's something else that we have to overcome, and this could be culture. So in our church, we have the slogan at the heartbeat of time, because our goal is to eliminate the first ditch that people don't have the cultural ditch to come to Jesus. And even Jesus did that. Jesus, who was a carpenter, his audience were farmers, and his parables were about farming and not carpentry. And the same was for Paul. Paul said he's a Roman to the Romans, a Jew to the Jew, and a, a Gentile to the Gentiles. And one of the specific ditches that we had in the church of Corinth was the topic of circumcision, which was for the apostles and for the Jews a big topic, and they wrote about it a lot, and even Paul wrote about it a lot. But because it applied differently in Corinth, he actually decided to speak very differently about this topic to eliminate the first stitch, the cultural barrier. A second cultural barrier specific to the Corinthian church was the topic of slavery, which is a hot topic, super important, and Paul speaks about it in many different ways. And it is actually really interesting to read in, in Corinthians how he talks about slavery, and he does it in a way to get over the cultural ditch to go straight to Jesus. And the third specific one is speaking in tongues. This is one of the most famous ditches that Paul wanted to overcome was when he told the church, hey, listen, if you guys are all just speaking in tongues and people walk in, they can't understand you, so have it translated, otherwise you're weird. You have to understand, there was a small group of people that received Jesus Christ in Corinth. It was not like a mega church with thousands of people or they have been Christians from all, all the years. It was like new Christians and they came in with the mindset of, of Corinth and action. That's Paul is saying, all those topics, they are very important, but not now for a moment. We have other topics that are even more important than those topics. And that's why Paul made this amazing decision. Thanks, Professor. See you later. <laughs> now, let, let's go into the mindset of Corinth a little bit that you understand what Paul is actually saying. 
In Corinth, on the, on the mountain, on the hill, there is always like a temple, like the Acro Corinth. The Acro Corinth was a temple where all the men, they walked out like 10 miles, and there they worshiped their different gods for a moment, and when they were finished with worshiping their gods, in that temple was always some ladies without any hair. That means there were, there were some, some prostitutes. That means after you had your church service on that mountain, you were finished, you had some sex with those prostitutes without hair. No hair meant in Corinth you are a prostitute. That means you had a wife at home, but in the temple you had also some sex. Now Paul is saying, can you imagine when someone in the church you had to get free moment, you say, I am free in God, I can wear whatever I want. People walk into our church, the mindset, oh, this is a church service where we praise God. When you have short hair, it means, oh, in the end, let's go out and have some sex. That's what they have been used over all the years. And Paul is saying, don't cut your hair. That's not a smart thing because people will believe you are a prostitute, but you are not. And the women in Corinth, I want to read it, their duties was giving birth to children. That has not changed until now. Responsibly for the children, usually they stayed at home. They took care for the household, for the families, for the servant. They were not allowed for banquets or receptions. No public meeting they were, were allowed. They were not allowed to be selfish of gossiping. Any public attention will be damaged. Their reputation, they wore a head covering. When Paul is talking when we gather women, carry some a covering on your hair, you will say, this is very religious. It has to do something with Corinth. Here's a picture of, of a woman. She was uh, wearing the hard covering, and you see, she's not happy. <laughs> she looks very depressed, right? But at least she covered her hair. Zaius Gallus, he said, a, 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 a soldier, he said, just listen. He divorced with his wife because she had been traveling with her head uncovered. She walked out with beautiful hair. It was a sign in Corinth. I am ready for an affair. Just give me some news, some likes. Don't give me some attention. And he said, I don't like it. And that's the weird part. They went to the temple, they worshiped God. They had sex with a woman. And everyone know that was the lifestyle, but when a woman walked out from the house without a covering, it was for the Korean people too much. It's right ridiculous what's going on there. For, for the Jewish people, it was a different story, but God gave every woman a value. You equal loved and equal gifted. So when, when we, let's go back to this list and now I wanna explain to you guys for a moment because a lot of people think Paul was against women. He was, or God was against women. Christianity is always against women. We make women small. But when you see the list, the last three things, you can see the revolution heart of Paul. For example, not allowed of attending banquets and reception meant you as a woman, you were not allowed going to a public meeting. And Paul is saying to the church in Corinth, man, bring your wife to the public church service. And he said, but that's never happened in Corinth. And Paul changed the rule in Corinth. Said, yeah, I know, but I don't like it. 
if you're coming and you receive the blessing and the healing from God in a church service, but your wife is at home, so goes it not. Bring your wife in public, and this was a game changer in Corinth already. We think it, that's normal to meet in a church altogether, but it changed the game in Corinth. The second thing is that you were not allowed to ask a woman a question in the public. That meant you put your husband into shame. You can see in, in verse 35, Paul is saying, if they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husband at home. For it's disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Because this has something to do with the culture. It, no woman was allowed in the public to ask, hey, John, I don't get the point. Paul is saying, woman, it's already a game changer that you are allowed to be in a public service. That's a shock for the Greek people. But please, only one thing, ask your John, your beautiful John at home, but not here. Is this so difficult? Same thing when I ask yourself, don't come with the bikini to church. Is it so difficult? Just be dressed nicely. It's the same thing. Amen? Uh, then, where a head covering meant a woman was allowed to prophesy in Corinth. But why covering the hair? And in Corinth, hair was a big deal, actually. In our days, I don't care if you're long hair, blonde hair, blue hair, green hair, uh, purple hair, no hair, salta hair, whatever you do, I don't care. Hair is not a big deal in our culture, right? But in Greek was a big message. Women shaved was a prostitute. Women with a little bit hair meant you broke your relationship. You have been unfaithful. You have been divorced. You failed. This was a sign. You failed in your life. It was a message. Women with long hair was a message. you like an angel. And Paul is saying, I don't like it. You're coming to the church. I don't care. I don't care what is your background. I don't care what is your story. You come here to receive grace and forgiveness and a new beginning. I don't care if you have been a prostitute. I mean, I care, but... Whatever happens in your marriage, I'm not here to judge you. Whatever you think, I'm religious. Hey, let's be honest. Let's cover our hair. That the message that God wants to share to you, people are able to hear. Because you have a message. God has given you a prophetic word. And I want to have a church service where even the men are not saying, Ooh, she's so beautiful. I cannot hear the message anymore because I'm getting horny. That's the point. I don't like if you get horny. Amen? Doesn't make sense because then you miss the message of the worship leader, the preacher, teacher, whoever shares the word of God. This is what Paul actually saying. Uh, Paul is losing the excellence of a woman in verse 39, check this out. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy. If you are a woman in Corinth, stand up, take a stand, what never happened before. 
speak the word of God and start to prophesy, start to lead, preach, and teach. Do not forbidden speaking in tongues. Paul is changing the value of the woman in Greek like never before. Paul is not against women, he is for the women. He gives them a stage, a platform where he can prosper and share the word of God. Paul had a big um, role model. His name is Jesus Christ, right? Jesus Christ, yes. right? Yeah, he's the role model for all of us. <laughs> Come on. So let's have a look at how Jesus treated women. So we see that Jesus treated women with respect. In John chapter 4, Jesus sits down with a Samaritan woman and she says, why do you as a Jewish man sit down with me, a Samaritan woman? And for Jesus, that was how he did it. He treated women with respect. Women traveled with Jesus. And we actually read they didn't just travel with him, but they supported his mission with their own resources, it says. So they were a big supporter of his ministry. Jesus had female friends. Now, I assume Jesus was invited to many different places, but actually, he was also invited to his friend's place, Martha, and he went there, and he had female friends and took time for them. Jesus protected women. And this is actually a beautiful story. A woman came in, and she wanted to repent, and she cried on Jesus' feet and dried it with her hair, and the apostles wanted to ridicule her. And he actually said, no, no, no. She is an example for you of how you seek for repentance and forgiveness. And he forgave her her sins. Jesus protected women. Jesus broke rituals. In Luke 8, we read a story where a woman who was bleeding touched Jesus. And for Jews, that would be something that made them unclean. But instead of rebuking her, Jesus asked, who touched me? And then he said, you are healed. And the lady was healed. Come on. Women stayed at the cross. So Jesus had his 12 disciples and all of them disappeared at the cross. And in his hardest hours, the women were still there with him. And this whole story of Jesus' death, death and resurrection is actually amazing how often, how many things we have and we know about because the women. Women were the first one at the tomb as well. So when Jesus was buried, the women went there to oil his body. And that was really different as well. This one is an amazing one. Jesus appeared to women first. But you have to understand, in those times, a woman couldn't even be a witness in court. But for the greatest historical event that ever happened, Jesus raising from the dead, the witness of that were women. Come on. Yes. Come on. And that's also another reason. If you share good news to women, it spreads very fast. Strategic. Strategic. Yeah. I think that's also a reason. Yeah. But uh, don't tell my wife exciting news. I'll hear all about it. What <laughs> <laughs> is cool, actually, so Jesus broke all these things and was very different. And what is amazing that his apostles continued. So in Acts, we read that the apostles 
kept praying together with the women, which was also uncommon. And this actually stayed on until this day. Come on. Let's give uh, Jesus a big round of applause for that. Now, here's the thing. Jesus Christ gave the woman a new value, a new platform. And in, in all the Greek uh, history, in all the Greek cities, a woman had, had no voice, was like a slave. And Paul is saying right now, we want to reach the Greek people. We want to reach the people in Corinth, in every city, city. But the mindset was so different. He said, we have a big challenge. You have to be very smart. Not putting in too much in one place. Be smart a little bit. And we want to attract people for, for Jesus Christ. Paul is going on in verse 11. He says, but every woman who prays over or prophesies with her head uncovered, dishonors her head. It's the same as having her head shaved. And Paul is saying actually like this. You know, Corinthian people, what they're talking about. You went to the temple, you had some sex with those ladies, there's no hair. If you're prophesying and you have a message from God, I don't like Paul is saying that the hairs are a big deal. He goes on in verse 14 and 15. Does not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him? But if a woman has long hair, it's her glory. For long hair is given to her as a covering. Now you say, Paul, I don't get it. What's the problem now? Shaving, no good. Cutting, no good. Long hair would be good, but it's not good. Why in the world should we cover? Now Paul is saying, we have a problem with hair. In Ovid, is saying, he was a hairstylist um, before Jesus and after Jesus. He said, for a man who says, a woman with long blonde hair, curly, it's very erotic. Paul is saying, it's a good thing to have long hair. But now, Ovid will say, oh, long hair, Woo, it's erotic. Now, whatever you have, you have, you have a problem. Paul said, I don't like the topic about hair anymore, Corinth. I am so tired. We want to reach people for Christ. Here is the deal. Come public. That's a game changer. Woman, please stand up. If God has given you a word, that's also a game changer. But now I said, I don't like the topic anymore. The men are here. They're always like watching you cover your hair, and you cover your hair, and you cover your hair, and then it's the problem is solved. <laughs> it's simple. It's a leadership issue in Corinth. That's why in our days it doesn't make sense, right? You say, Leo, what are you talking about? It has no sense. You have to understand when people are asking you the question, why is a woman allowed to preach and teach in Isaac Zurich? Why can a woman lead or, or be a prophet? Then they bring you all the Bible verse from, from Corinth and Timotheus. And it's very important that you understand Paul is fighting against an issue, against the setting of the Corinthian people, actually. And I love, it's simple, it's straight, but it has to do with the culture. In Acts chapter 2, verse 17 and 18, and check out what God is saying in the beginning of the book of Acts. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. 
Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Young men will see vision. Your old men will see dreams. I'm more like in the stage of seeing dreams. <laughs> Even on my servants, both men and women, I want to repeat, men and women, men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. If you prophesy, that means you stand up, you take a stand, and you share the word of God. That means you lead, you preach, you teach. It's the same thing. Don't speak of, oh, prophesy is not the same thing like teaching, preaching. You take impact in people's life, actually. In verse 9, he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. So many people in the times of Paul, they were teaching, preaching, leading, and they prophesied as well. What is the link to our church? We have the same challenge in our church. Our church is not a problem about the hairstyle. It's the dress code. We have a dress code in our church. Do you know that? We have a dress code. Our dress code is not, we are not dressed old-fashioned that you see, oh, the Christians are, they're dressed so boring. Oh, all Christians are boring, they're dressed boring. But we know there's always um, a limitation how far you can be dressed for example, you will not see a worship leader very tight, only here. You can see the piercing, circles only here. That means if you're sitting in the front, your view will be awesome. <laughs> now, you will never see that in our church. You know why? The women and the men, we are dressed in a certain way. We are not old-fashioned, but we are not over too sexy. Because otherwise people coming in for the very first time here say, oh my gosh, I see the worship leader. Oh my good, she's so erotic. They will not understand the message, what church is all about. For us, it's more how we dress when we come together in church. We have to be very, very sensitive, right? For example, 20 years ago was not a big deal if it was a big deal if you had a tattoo. But now, you cannot be a worship leader without tattoo. <laughs> it has changed, you know. That meant 20 years ago, and it's not something, you find something in the Old Testament where it's saying, don't make a mark for, for people, they're slaves. But 20 years ago, I would say, just put on a pullover that people will not see the tattoo. But now, it's not a big deal culturally, no big deal in a church. There's a lot of things, culturally, it was a deal 20 years ago, but now it's not a big deal anymore. 20 years ago, I could not wear an Adidas jacket. Impossible. All the preachers had suit, beautiful, whatever, and now nowadays we have some jeans, ripped jeans, some Adidas. No big deal anymore because it's not about clothes, it's about the content. And... That's why culture is changing all the time, but the Word of God stays the same. And my challenge for us is we are a church where women and men are gifted from God. If God has given you a gift of teaching, preaching, and leadership, go ahead. The stage is yours because we believe the gifting comes from God and there's equal values and also equal love. In close of the message, what I would love to do, I would love to pray for all the women. Can you stand up for a moment here in the balcony and also online? I want to pray for you, ladies. Because there's so much, so a lot of ladies, 
they're, they're not sure about, I, I'm really allowed to preach and teach your leadership. In the world, it's no big deal, but comes to the church, you're not sure. Can we close our eyes for a moment and all the men, we want to pray for you, ladies. We want to release you. Father God, I'm so thankful for all the women you have made and created. You are a God of men and women. We are equal loved, equal valued. We are a dream team. We make each other better. And I want to say sorry for all the moments when people stopped you in your anointing, when people have stopped you in the church in terms of leadership. They have forbidden you maybe to lead or preach and teach or having ideas, you dropped in. You have never been heard. And I'm, I'm sorry. We want to anoint you. God has equipped you. God has gifted you. And God has given you amazing leadership qualities. Amazing teaching, preaching, and prophecy skills. You are welcomed. And we want to be together a force for the kingdom of God. Maybe you heard from your parents, oh no, it's a girl. I know in some culture, a man is still treated better than a woman. And that's, this is never what God thinks. This is never what God still say. Even the command that people made about you, it's not godly. It's not godly. God has formed you. God made the decision for you. You are the right person, the right gender. And God has a plan with you. Dream God's dreams. And I want to ask all the men to stand up also together, live and online. I want to have a moment when we want to ask God for a prophetic word because the Bible says God put out the Spirit on men and women and young people and you will prophesy. Prophesy is nothing else like often when I pray to God, I come with my issues and God said, God, I have some issues and I have also the solution and I have some things. But taking time with God means I'm not coming to God with my agenda. When I come to God, there is always also a moment to come with God with an empty page. Say, God, here am I. Is there anything you want to speak to me? Is there a prophetic word for my life, for my small group, for my church, for my finances? And this is what we want to do right now. We want to be quiet for a moment. And I want to ask the Holy Spirit that He will, he will pour out the Spirit of God right now. And you will prophesy in your own life. God will give you right now a word. Holy Spirit, you are given. 
with insight and wisdom and knowledge? Is there a word, a specific word from God for me right now? And let's be quiet for a moment. I believe right now God gives you maybe an idea, maybe you have a feeling, maybe a Bible verse comes to your mind, or maybe a prophecy is prophesied many years ago. God reminds you about that word. It can be a longing, it can be a dream, it can be a feeling like your heart beats faster. It can be that your hands getting very hot. God is saying in your hands are healing power. It can be like an issue where the Holy Spirit is giving you revelation, whatever, whatever He will speak right now. When I close my eyes, now I'm really sure that God gave you right now a word. God remind me when I close my eyes for a moment. Almost every day, my wife, she sent me a Bible verse. <laughs> Often I thought, I read my own Bible, honey. But God was like speaking to me right now, saying, don't take it for granted. You have a woman in your house. She wants that you walk in the anointing of God. She believes that the favor of God is big on your life. And that's why she sent me Bible texts because she knows that I read the newspaper. <laughs> and when you read the newspaper, there's so many stories, they're not so positive, right? And that's why she thought like, okay, if he's reading the newspaper, he has to read more Bible verses than newspapers. And God made me just grateful right now. It's a simple thing, but sometimes you take things for granted. That's how God speaks. Sometimes it's simple, but sometimes it's a big thing. But wherever God has spoke to you, can we lift up your hands in praise and worship? That means, God, I surrender. My life belongs to you. I'm a man or a woman of God, and I will do whatever is on your heart. Hey, thanks for watching. Hey, our passion for people is that we see them grow in their relationship with Jesus, live fearlessly and influence their people and the surrounding in a positive way. And if you would like to be part of that vision, we thank you so much for your financial support because that would make it possible. I hope that this message spoke to you really. And if you don't have subscribed to our channel, please do this. And it's always a big blessing. Maybe you know some people in your neighborhood 
neighborhood or in your friendship, the, that podcast could be a very, very cool thing. Just share the link because it's pretty, pretty easy. And I'm looking forward to see you again. Tune in and God bless you and see you soon. Bye-bye.